<laughs> he would lose. He it. would lose his shit. It'd be awesome. Then I'll tell the other two yes. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> no, don't tell anybody. Just just no, leave. I want them to all enjoy the moment. He'll <laughs> <laughs> just get up and leave. Yes. Storm it all. This podcast contains adult language and drinking alcohol. It is not appropriate for young audiences. We can't fix bad choices in post. Well, speaking of which, should we do this? Should we do this? I think we should probably do this. I think we should do this. Welcome to Fryberry Interludes. This is the Get to Know Steve edition. That will be me. It will be getting to know me. So, obviously, I'm Steve. I'm Kevin. Kim. Josh. Angie. I'll turn the mic over to our host for the evening to grill me with the things they want to know about me. I've got got handwritten questions. I don't respond to handwritten notes. (laughs) This interview is over. A cornucopia of Steve. Drop in the mic. (laughs) Slam it down. Don't literally. We're no, gonna, we break. We, we, we will pick you up. Yeah. Lavalier. <laughs> We're going to... Thank you very much. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, of course. You're doing awesome Ooh, work. What is this? Well, we're, we're podcasting. You're part of it. You're live to the world. <laughs> you have a podcast? We oh, do, yeah. yeah. That's oh, yeah. so cool. <laughs> Friday. Friday at the library. Yeah, although it's not Friday. So I but this is a special here. one. Oh. You, you just started? Closed. Yeah, they moved me over to Blackbird. We ain't Blackbird closed. Oh. What? Yeah. They we were just gonna go there. Yeah. Like, no, done closed yeah. forever. Wow. No, what a no. way to find out. Finding out live on the podcast. No, that's no. awful. I'm we serious. We almost went there yeah. yesterday. Oh, no, you so didn't. Sad. I know. <laughs> wow. Oh, what are they gonna do? Um, unfortunately, they didn't own that building. We had to rent it. Uh huh. Blue and Brew House and Library. Right. And they just couldn't afford it anymore. Well, they've been screwing it up for years, I'll say yeah. that. Yeah, you're not wrong, but I can't say that. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. just like, she wow. I go back a long time there, and, and <laughs> no, they used to be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. When, when they had the apple opened? pie with the cheese, the oh, slice of so cheese so on it. Good. Yeah. They changed their oh, everything. They had, you said the fisherman stew, which was so, so Ooh, good. Everything was so good. We, at one point, we had everything on the menu. Yeah. I don't blame you. It was, it was the deal. It's what we did before we came over here. We do that, and then we come over here. So the bird's nest still there, or is it gone? It's gone too. Oh. So yeah. we just got Cohiba. Yeah, I guess Louis too. But. Like a developing country, we've got one smokehouse here in Norman, one cigar lounge. Go to oh my God! <laughs> Why did we move here? Yeah, but they don't. They don't sell you <laughs> yeah. cigars, will they? Yeah. Wow. It's devastating. It actually, I was pretty devastated. Live reactions here on the pod. Yeah, I was pretty devastated. Also. Well, I'm glad to have you here. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I like the environment. here. All right, so John and all the old, they're not closing this down, are they? No. All right, good. This will this is a staple piece for them. Well, be well, I would hope right. so. Even if any of the others possibly. Right. Is why we moved here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah this, this place should be here for a while. Wow. Thank yeah. you for yeah. the information. <laughs> Bear of bad news. Wow. Uh, you heard it here. Sorry. First. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Blackbird's closed. Blackbird's starting closed. off this interlude no, on a somber <laughs> note. Wow, that is somber, man. That's been a long time. It was a. It's one of the better places to eat on Campus Corner and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shepherd's Pie. They oh, the definitely. Pie. So. Yeah, they, they, they did have a lot of male waitresses. <laughs> but other than that, they had you know they they had the Jack's experience and that was a little over expansion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They tried to meld the two menus together. It was like really when it started to go downhill. Well, that when they got rid of Angela. Yeah. Yep. 100%. That was a bitter divorce and all that deal, but yeah, that was a downside. Yeah. 
Well, on that note. So anyway, back oh, to your favorite question. I don't know. I, honestly, like, like, this doesn't pointless eyes. now. I don't know that I've got it in me to continue, but I'll try. Pour a little out. <laughs> Pour a little out. I poured a lot out earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you did. Poured not. Um, so uh, I've kind of like I listened to the previous the previous uh, interludes and uh-huh. got some questions that just to kind of like carry forward to make sure we hit some of the same notes. So we'll start it off. Uh, Steve, what is your favorite Fibrarian voice to do? You know, I like all the voices. I like doing them. Some of them are more challenging than others. For some reason, I'm, I'm better at the female voices than the male voices sometimes. But I think the male voices are a little put on. Like the Kevin character, mm-hmm. when he gets in, he like he's trying too hard. And so that, that one's a little more difficult. I would say either when we do the waitress voices, because um, they don't realize we're just here in a room, you and I. Yeah. And there is no such place as the library. But that that's one of the more favorite ones. But I also... Um, Enjoy when I do your voice, and so that—that's kind of an interesting well, thing. Sure, and then we, we gotta make—we gotta mix it yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, uh, especially like the overtalking. Like he can overtalk like yeah. a motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm really good multiple at that. voices, all yelling. It's really hard. It really strains the cords back in the deep, deep part of the throat to be able to do both a female and a male voice, and then overtalk it with something else. Like when I do the Connor and Lucas. Oh God complete like there like I did with like the Kevin the thing you hear the Kevin thing I did yeah. yeah so when I got them in the background doing a conversation at the same time we're having an actual Fryberry conversation and they're talking about absolute nonsense soccer, it's tough to do probably. soccer, soccer. Um, yeah, non-American football yeah. alright so uh, so Steve what to you are or should be the seven deadly sins Ooh, that's good I should have prepared for this um, really telegraphed this one wow that really yeah I really should have thought about this so you know, I, I think um, not being truthful is definitely a, a deadly sin. I, w- I would count that as a serious deadly sin. Um, uh, not being interested in the truth is part of that. So I don't like the idea of choosing pleasantry over honesty. I think you should should be pleasant. It's, that's fine, but you should be honest. And don't you should be able to, Yeah, don't sugarcoat it. Be able to accept honesty. Don't lie for the sake of, of, of feelings or whatever when actually you should just be accept honesty and move on. So in, ignorance is bliss, but also sinful. It, very, very sinful, yeah. Was so, that one of your ideas for Siberians? I feel like... No, it was it was from was Magnitude Matters. Yeah, okay. was, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Like, yeah, don't be... Don't, don't choose pleasantry sugar, over yeah. honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, but pleasant honesty is, is fine. Yeah. But yeah, so that would be one. Um, I would say... Mm, Loud cars, that's one of mine. I was considering loud cars, but that was yours, so I'm going to say no. I actually enjoy loud cars because I think we should let people do what they want to do within limits and within reason. I think that's fine. So a tolerance for other people and their taste and their preferences, that, that's definitely an intolerance is a deadly sin. Um, you count that as one of them. Um, boy, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to seven, but I'd say that, uh, I don't know, um, Sort of within the same vein, just anything that that limits other people's thinking, opinions, freedoms, that's a deadly sin. Pretty allergic to that. I don't like that very much. Are the the Twitter files sinful? No, I would say they're not sinful. Which way way do you mean? Releasing of them or the, the things Twitter did? The things Twitter did. I would say they're pretty close to sinful. Um, yeah, they, they were 
kind of a, a violation of their own terms and uh, at least the spirit of what they were trying to supposedly do and accomplish with what policies they were trying to adhere to. So I would say that those were potentially sinful. I don't know about deadly sinful, but it kind of borders on that for sure. Um, it's in the spirit of the deadly sins to, to behave the way that, that Twitter as an organization behaved. Organizations have a tendency to do that in general. It's, it's tough for big organizations not to fall victim to that. Not, not as an excuse to let them off the hook, but it's, it's a natural thing that we have to look out for, I would say, for sure. Let me pass and come back on more, and let me think if I can think of some other deadly sins. All right. <clears throat> um, and again, taking another question from a previous, a previous version. Do uh, you have any low-brow low guilty pleasures? Ooh. Nothing I do is low-brow. Everything <laughs> is the highest of the brow. Um, you know, I, I don't know. So, so that's obviously a matter of opinion. I would say that I guess in a sense some of the sports I like, sports in general, is that low-brow? I mean, like, sports like might how be much you like them or how much I like sports, how much I like OU, how, how much, much I follow NASCAR. it, yeah, how much NASCAR <laughs> I do. So yeah, in the in the realm of sports, I would say within that realm, I am I limit myself to highbrow sports to a degree. Now I'm not into polo, like mud, like mud wrestling, yeah, <laughs> mud wrestling, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, cat juggling, midget but yeah, but no, staples. I would say that within sports fandom, I'm fairly highbrow. But some would say. sports it say, yeah, I get accused of that a lot, actually. But sports, per se, are a little bit lowbrow in the scheme of things. So maybe that would count. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I, I would say that probably my indulgences in some of the comedy that I like might be considered lowbrow. Although I think it actually is maybe I would spin it as highbrow. If you're deep enough into a subculture like comedy and you appreciate comedy, like I appreciate... I can appreciate really crude comedy, really offensive comedy, if you will. Um, some might find that lowbrow. It depends on the audience. Um, I, I, I actually think it's a higher form of it if it's done well, if it's executed well. Now, there's obviously you can you can crash and burn really easily with some types of comedy. That if it succeeds, then it's highbrow. If it fails, then it's lowbrow, which seems like an unfair qualification. Um, maybe my um, just things I like to do, like drinking with friends. People might say that that's lowbrow. Um, lowbrow people, so. Well, yeah, hang out with a lot of lowbrows, <laughs> if I mean, you will. Most public school folk. Yeah, well, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. All right. Um, I got lots of questions, but give everybody else a chance to, to hop in here. I was going to ask one of my standard questions that I, that I find really interesting as a youngest how mm. much if any do you, it do, shows. You, do you feel your, your birth order has impacted your personality and kind of how mm. things have turned out because you guys are all oldest right and I'm a youngest I'm the baby you know? Kim are you oldest I'm a youngest. youngest she's a youngest it shows you didn't have to say um, <laughs> so I don't know I, supposedly birth order effects are really really important yes and when they're studied they seem to come up again and again that they're very important. Um, it's, far, it's hard for me to separate birth order in the general sense versus birth order in my own family. I think birth Obviously. order in my own family didn't matter as much as it does in some others, so it may not generalize to the 
to the population at large, my experience. Um, I don't know. I think it probably mattered in a sense of where I see myself within the family. Okay. If nothing else, I grew up at a time that if you're, you know, my youngest brother, five years removed from when I was born, he experienced life five years later and everyone else is five years older. The family was five years along, the extended family five years sure. along. So there's some, some things within the extended family I know and, and are aware that he doesn't know. Right. I don't know if that's something I was just more conscious about learning or if it's because I was younger when they were younger and then things drifted apart by the time he was at the same age to experience them and know about them. Right. So very intra-extended family, I think it probably had an effect. As far as um, my personality in yeah. general, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe so. It's did, it, did it make you take more like a leadership? Because you, you probably you had, you had so followers. Yeah. You know, basically, probably so. You know. I would, I would, I would say that it, it's not apparent to me, but I would have to expect that it did. I would have to expect that sure. it did have a lot of uh, sort of now the leadership, the sort of the almost paternal type of instinct there, and um, little command and control. Take charge. Take yeah. charge um, to a degree, at least within the family, if not just in general, in my in my overall personality. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Nice. I would yeah. think it influenced me. You would it, hard you would to appreciate. So. I, I would yeah. expect I don't appreciate as much as it did influence me. Actually, I would have. Yeah. I would make room for that. Sounds right. Good question. If you knew you, would, what would you do differently if you knew no one would judge you for it? Oh wow! Um, you know, I don't really respond to judgment. I don't really <laughs> care. Um, I really don't. I I don't think that's something I say. I think it's something I really embrace. In fact, if anything, I feed off of negative energy, probably to a detrimental extent that I will do things, if I know it'll piss you off or you think I shouldn't do it, I'll definitely do it. That's, that's going to encourage me to do it. So maybe that's why you don't see anything as like lowbrow? Maybe so. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a great you don't observation. Care about judgment for it. I don't care about judgment. I really don't. If anything, I kind of embrace it and I look at it as something to take headlong and challenge. So if no one would judge me for it, I don't know. I guess there are some things maybe on the margin career-wise or other types of choices I might make or, or chances I would take where judgment does impact me in a practical sense. So I adjust for the practical implications of judgment and that would probably encourage like me to do nature, stuff. Like you you know, yeah, yeah. So it's like, a, it, well, if I know that at work or something that they're going to judge me going out, I don't really have an opportunity to do stuff or, or I'm not limited to do stuff. So. I get to it's have a lot of free reign and things I get to do. You, so you do something. Yeah, I might do something a little bit different, behave a little bit differently. I, I would probably, you know, I I tend to have a fuck you attitude without fuck you money. Um, <laughs> it'd be scary to see if I had fuck you money, what I might do and say. <laughs> That's not the title. I don't know but what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so probably to some degree, I would tell people what I really think more often, but that wouldn't necessarily be constructive, obviously. Um, I do feel constrained and I can't it, it totally completely always say what I want to say and the way I want to say it and sort of drop the mic and walk away. Not that that's necessarily what I want to do because a lot of times I, I don't just want to tell you you're wrong. I want to say I maybe disagree and have a constructive ongoing conversation. So I think if I didn't have judgment, 
I would probably be able to say more frankly and clearly what I say, but it's hard to separate that. Well, does no judgment mean they're not going to care? Because I want them to care. I just don't want them to have negative repercussions back on me in terms of judgment. Nice question. All right. Any questions yet, Kim? Yeah, I have one. Um, are you more of like a journey or destination kind of guy and why? Uh, very much a journey kind of guy. But I like the idea of a destination. And so that was actually my, you know, subtitle of my blog before I moved to Substack was it's the journey, not the destination. Hmm. So I, I embrace that idea. I, I, I would say that the destination is very important. So it's not aimless. But in getting to the destination, that's what it's all about. So I want to aim for the destination, say I want to get from here to there in a small sense of an argument or a discussion or you know one minor point or just in general where I want my life to go. Mm -hmm. But I understand and appreciate that it's all about the journey and getting there. The destination itself is only meaningful in the sense of how you achieved it and, and arrived there. Um, so the, the means are, are important not just how to get to the ends, but how you get there mm -hmm. is important as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the ends may not be justifiable if you had bad means to get there. Okay. All right. So uh, I have another question. Uh, would you like another drink? Oh, we I heard this on the previous podcast. I'm not sure who kept asking <laughs> it. But I, I kept hearing that a lot. I don't know. I wrote it down. Popular question. The answer is always. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I really did steal a bunch of them, but not a lot of them. Um, which, let's see, oh no, what person, uh, living or dead, fictional or real, would be the best addition to Frybury? Ooh, addition to Frybury. That, that is challenging. So, I would say that you probably want, you don't want a personality that necessarily is going to take it over or, or become its own, like, move the spotlight to them. So it's hard to separate that. We're not going to say, well, Fred, he lived 15 years ago. You never met him. We're going to talk about somebody famous, and somebody famous is going to naturally steal the spotlight to a degree. But you're saying, like, if they came in as an equal and yeah. they just were a contributor and part of the group, I think you'd want someone who is maybe a little bit more, another fairly uh, aggressive personality, somebody that was fairly active, not passive. Um... I don't know. I think like a Steve Martin would be a pretty good personality in the group. I think that would be a, a good fit for... Uh, now, it would be two Steves, so that would be awkward. That would be oh, very confusing. That's Steve true. Steve M and Steve W. Now, it's, yeah, I was going to say, we actually had Steve Martin booked for today. Oh, wow. But when he heard there's another Steve, <laughs> he's not going to he be upstage. Out. Yeah. Yeah. He said no. It's all he can do to work with Martin Short because there's another Martin. <laughs> yep. so, you know, yeah. I... I to go a completely different route, I would say that um, I think Pendulette would be Ooh. a good type of personality mm. for Very it. Much I so. think that he is a free thinker in, mm. in, in along the same lines of a lot of the things we do and think about. He's at least adjacent to our style of thinking. Only and downside with him comedic. is he's so tall. Well, space, it would, getting space it would be here, tough in, he the, would, in the space. We would, oh, God, yeah. his knees. Yeah. Oh. Now, he's not as big as he used to be because no, he's dieted, but, but he's tall. very tall it's, man. Dieting does man. not... So if he were younger, and so of, of the same age, if he were in his extremely late 20s, then that would work out well. But he is you know, probably extremely late 40s at his age. <laughs> so that would be 
tough to yeah. fit in. But I'm thinking if he was contemporary to us age-wise, mm -hmm. that would be a pretty good fit. I like that. Let's see. I was um, thinking Paul Rudder or, or, or John Hamm would be cool. but That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, John Hamm would be, and he's pretty funny. Uh, exactly. Both of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Paul Rudd's extremely funny. Yeah. Um, Paul Rudd would, I think, be more low key the way we are, and yeah. more yeah. like I'd worry hey, about. Exactly, I'd worry about like the 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 John Hamm would be. We'd just be staring at John Hamm. <laughs> yeah, we'd always be looking at him, you know. And that's so just, Yeah, it gets weird. You can hear the eye twinkle yeah, over yeah, the mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's never been sexiest man, I don't think, and Rudd has. So well, there you there's go. There's that. He doesn't need to be on the cover of some. He knows. He knows. <laughs> um, they all know. They all know. All right. So, um, to me at least, you seem extremely high output. Okay. Um, do you? Well, I guess for one, do you agree? <clears throat> like, you, you seem I to would, produce. I would tend to agree. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'd have to agree. Relative Although, to Josh, at least. I mean, my, we've my goals. Uh, <laughs> my my. Desire would be to do so much more than what I do. I wait. I run out of time. I don't. I wait. Don't have enough time. I run out of time all the time. So I'd say yes. I'm. I'm extreme output, but not in comparison not to what to I want to do. And is that is that natural? Or does that take constant effort? Like, mm, no, it's natural. It, it would take constant effort to not be. Like so you don't. You don't make time to do these things. Like it's just. Or do I? Or do you make? I, I do time? make time to do stuff that I do. Um, but. It's more about balancing the time of what I'm doing and, and making those trade-offs, which is tough, and I'm not very good at it. I'm, I'm kind of easily distracted. I like everything. I'm interested in everything. Just like Kevin would accuse me of being a music slut, I'm kind of an everything slut. Gosh. Like, I'll do anything. Um, <laughs> that's I, maybe another Steve the everything slut. I enjoy yes. everything. Like, if you get me into a subculture, I gotta be careful. Like, I will actively avoid a subculture because I know like I could go in deep and I'm gonna go all the way in like, like whatever <laughs> it is um, yeah. hot, hot wheels uh, yeah. marble, anything, marble anything. Racing. Anything. and I'm gonna build an entire course in the backyard so I'm not just gonna do it lightly like yeah. air hockey we didn't just play air hockey we went to the world championships of air hockey did indeed spreadsheets so that's kind of, yeah and that's kind of how I roll like I'm gonna go full speed into anything I do. Not a half-asser. No, ha no half-assing here. Yeah. So I, I, and I, and I just can appreciate and find an interest in things. Now I, it's not as much as what some people do, but I just like I'm genuine when I say, "Wow, that's really interesting. Tell me more," and I want to see more about it. So it's something that definitely draws me in. And then it's easy for me to get distracted and say, "Well, I want. I'm doing this thing now." It's like, "Well, wait a second. In the order of things that would really bring you happiness." Is this really that high, or are you going to look back and be a little bit disappointed by how much time you spent on this versus where you could have been spending your time on other things? So I'm not great at balancing that, and it, but it does cause me to kind of be helter-skelter, high output, do a lot of stuff, try a lot of things. Definitely a dilettante. What would 10-year-old uh, Steve think of, like, where overall I am. where you are? He would probably not be super impressed. Um, He'd look at his spreadsheet and say, yeah. <laughs> I kind of expected you to have made it a little at bit farther. At this point, we extrapolated out. <laughs> he should have been further along. He thought I'd be taller. He definitely thought I'd be taller at this point. When did we stop um, growing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always short. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, at 10 years old, 
I really dreamed of the high output that is something I can only dream of today. And so I think some, some parts would, would impress myself. Some things would impress upon that kid that in a way that was uh, just really overwhelming and they'd, they'd be blown away. And, and, but some of that is just scale. And like when you are 10 years old, you don't appreciate how much money you might, might make when you're in your you know, extremely late 20s not understanding just inflation effects yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, in other ways it'd be like wow you didn't accomplish that you're not doing that you're not CEO of a company and you know uh, a movie star or whatever you've been to space yeah yet? you haven't been to space even yeah. once <laughs> so I think there'd be those things so 10 years old I, I don't know there's probably two sides of me and there probably still are one is the dreamer side or the imagination side and the other's the living in the real world side and so I think as that kid spend a little bit more of his thought process on the real world side. I think he'd be pretty impressed and satisfied and happy um, with how things went. The dreamer side would be saying, yes, but there's more, and you could do so much more. What, what, what about uh, your life now, do you think, whether it be 10-year-old or even high school, Steve, what parts of your life do you think would surprise him, and what parts do you think he'd be like, yeah, that's kind of where I thought I'd end up? I guess working in finance would probably be something that would be expected, not surprising, um, working with investments. That was right when I first started becoming interested in investing, really? interested in, in my own money management. Um, that's when I bought my first stock. So that would make sense from that standpoint. Um, the parts that would surprise, um, I don't know, probably, and I don't know if this is something that as, you, as the kid looked around, you'd have to understand, everyone just kind of goes into one track because that's all you have time for, both yeah. career-wise, interest-wise, relationship-wise, you know, things you do, you just have so many trade-offs and sacrifices. So it would probably still surprise the kid, but in honesty, it would just be something that everyone has to experience. It wouldn't yeah. be something unique to me. It'd just be like, oh, and by the way, kid, everybody that's in their extremely late 20s, this is, this is their life. This is their limits. It's all you got time for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do, you, do you remember what your first stock was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Circus Circus Enterprises. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Later Mandalay Resort Group and then MGM Mandalay. Yep. Went to Vegas on one trip and was just blown away just by it. And they had this little, this little pamphlet that was uh, a thing about their business. And it showed their stock price and what it had done and I, I was thinking wow I, I just yeah I'm good thank you Sarah um, I thought wow I can not only enjoy this place I could be an owner and that was something that was really interesting to me to think that not only and that was always kind of my mindset is I want to own it I want to possess it like in a different world with a few other things happening I could be one of these Napoleonic monsters who did awful things thinking <laughs> I'm going to own the world and I'm going to do this and I want to command it but I was thinking, wow, I want to not just enjoy this place, I want to own this place and be an owner in this place. And that was something that really meant a lot to me and was really cool. And it happened to work out really good, for better or for worse, in that one investment. But um, yeah, that was, that was something that enticed me to think that I could not just be a customer, but also an owner, small owner. Any questions? Oh, you got some. What small act of kindness were you once shown that you will never forget? Ooh. Wow, that's a really good question. I know I've got some good answers that just can't come to me right now because I've been shown 
a lot of really nice small acts of kindness. Ah, oh, that's a great question. I'm going to have to come back to that and think of, and give you the, a really good answer that's specific. It's like, it's just escaping me, but I know I've had a couple of different things that have happened to me that have been just pretty fantastic that I really appreciated sometimes not till not after the fact and realize, oh wait, they were that. being nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have an appreciation for when that's happened. And I think it's happened quite a few times in my life. I guess one thing that stands out is when I was younger, the people that would embrace my indulge and indulge me in things I was interested in and stuff. And it's one thing for your parents to do it, and the parents definitely did a lot of that. But other people that were adjacent to them that would do it, my dad's old boss and, and the things that um, he did, he let me go on a trip with them to New York one time that was a really big deal that was very, very cool. Uh, and I wasn't that young, but I was just out of college. And to me, I thought it was old. I was Now I see college kids like, right? God, these little babies, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know it's what's wall, happening. They just wall around. Yeah, it's falling down all the time. And it changed my diaper. So uh, that that's the type of thing. But I, there's actually smaller things that have been, and I have to, I'm going to think about that. That's Because I know there are some things that have been pretty, um, and I need to appreciate those more and think about them specifically and be able to talk about them. That's a really good question. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go with what is your what has been your closest brush with fame? Oh wow! Well, there was a time I almost won the Oscar. Um, so, brush with fame. I don't know if I've really had a true brush with fame. Um, John Wick 3? Come on. Yeah, that's true. I've been like almost basically in a couple of movies. Um, was it Wonder Woman? I've been, one of them? Wonder Woman was one of them on the same trip. The second yeah. Wonder Woman. The second yeah. was so, 1984. Uh, okay. It wasn't yeah, that, that good. Count. Yeah. That it it count. seemed bad at the time, yeah. and then I realized that post production yeah. it was really bad. If they listen to you, though. So, you know, well, I guess one thing which doesn't. It, it definitely isn't as meaningful to me now or, or um, I don't know, it's a, a different light for sure. But when I was in high school, I was the founder of the Teenage Republicans um, in, in our high school. And um, one of the things we did was we produced a uh, video that we put on VHS, VHS tape and sent to the Rush Limbaugh show. And our video made it onto the Rush Limbaugh show, Ooh. which was a pretty big TV show at the time. Oh, yeah. It was he was out pulling uh, Jay Leno and the Tonight Show and, and 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 David Letterman. So it was definitely seen by millions for what it's worth for you know thirty seconds of whatever the skit was that we did. So that was sort of a brush with fame in a, in a way. I d definitely something that I don't <laughs> embrace today in a lot of different ways. I was a <laughs> brush changed, uh, and I grew up at the same time, and so there was a couple of divergence of paths there. Um, so that's that's one small thing. Um, I don't have a lot of brushes with fame, fortunately, because sometimes that's bad. Some people's brushes with yeah. fame are are really mm -hmm. when bad things happen in their lives, and fortunately, not a lot of at the least meteor hit Steve's tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Like, now that would be super cool. No, no make -a -wishes. That would be really yeah. I don't want any make a wishes. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Don't need any of that. I've kind of been a, an observer to brushes with fame, an observer to things that seem like they were going on, that, uh, but never. I don't know. I, I always wanted if I'm going to be in the spotlight, I want to be in the spotlight, but not for 15 minutes. So I maybe. 
to the degree you can, I might have actively avoided brushes with fame because I don't want just a brush with brush? fame. I want the full fame if I'm going to get it, and rightfully earned. I don't want to, um, yeah, just get the 15 minutes. If you could send a message back in time to me. All right. What would you tell me? Back to high school or early college. How long can this message be? <laughs> Is there enough paper in the world? Oh, wow. Just one message. And, and let's assume that it can't be something kind of um, Play the lottery on this day. Yeah, yeah, right. Just pass a note. Let's, take off, right. let's even take off the two mean. Like, send a message back to, you know, us, people who know you, that we're going to receive it. Things are going to be better than they seem like they're going to be. I think that's an eternal message that can be sent back always. Um, just to kind of keep spirits up that keep thinking positively things get better they really do um, at least generally speaking and they can get better for you individually if you uh, you know try and make the most of it but at the same time I mean it could be there's a lot of bad things that happen in the world a lot of bad things that happen to individuals obviously so um, I don't know um, I, I think advice to anyone younger. How far back did you say, or did you let's specify? Say, let's say college. Are college you age. Okay. College age. Well, boy, I don't know. That that would get very judgmental if I sent it back just to you about what I might be saying to you or not. It'd be kind of scary because I think you're in a pretty good place. I don't know yes. if I'd want to screw anything up. <laughs> like as as many mistakes as you may have made, I don't know if I'd want to help you but help you avoid a mistake because the path that you ended up with is pretty damn good. <laughs> Yeah, what but is, or you could in you general, could like send back like he really is smooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know that yet. It's not confirmed. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't. Oh man, I don't know the college age. So that would be in the in the late nineties. Um, early two thousands. Yeah, early two thousands. I could say yeah. It depends on which college and which major. Yeah, it, it, you know, I come back to OU football and I could say that, um, well, it's going to be a lot of great years and no fantastic years after 2000. So just enjoy, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. And yeah, there you for go. What it is. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's maybe a good story for life, you know? It's going to be a lot of good years and nothing perfect. Just enjoy you, it for what it is. Yeah, we, we, we chanced upon a really awesome year and yeah. it's just the nature of it. Like, they're not all going to be this awesome. That's right. There are going to be some great ones. Yeah. Enjoy you, this. Yep. Savor this. And savor the others. And savor the rest of what you got. But don't expect perfection because it's not going to happen. Do you think, do you consider yourself to be someone who listens or someone who waits to talk? Anytime I'm waiting to talk, it's the most agonizing thing in the world. I wish the other person would shut up and just, no. Um, you're, you're channeling drunk Kevin right yeah. there. That's, that's exactly what he goes through. I like to think that I listen. I think I listen more than is appreciated in a lot of circumstances. Um, have you know Subtext as you may there. But at the same time, I listen more or I'm least appreciated in my listening when I'm in a discussion, like a heated discussion or an argument with people. Because most of the things I argue about, if I'm going to get passionate about it, it's probably something I know a lot about. Sure. And I've been there before. So I'm streets ahead. And I try to be careful about assuming you know what the other person's thinking or what they're going to say. 
but a lot of times I know what the other person's thinking and what they're going to say. Um, and so I think it's perceived sometimes as not listening, but I'm actually listening. But I think I could always do better in that. Uh, I think that I'm... I like to think that I'm patiently waiting to talk and hope, hopefully listening as I wait to talk. It just depends on the discussion. I've definitely tried to get better at that in terms of just small talk or, or um, casual conversations with people. And I've learned socially that's a lot more fulfilling in a lot of ways. Um, I wish I knew that 20 years ago. It would have been a much easier way to conduct myself and as well as pick up girls. Um, that I didn't understand that it was a lot about listening and that would go at least a long way. <laughs> wow. Like it wasn't magic words that you were going to say. It's actually magic listening that can do like work wonders. So I think I've done better. I've tried to do better about um, listening. Um, and when I'm waiting to talk, I like to think I've done a little, hopefully done a little bit better of having something to say or choosing what to say or choosing what to not say. That's something I've struggled with is not um, saying too much or um, like is that really important to be said right now kind of right. is it important to correct them right now is it right. important to to interject or to disagree right now and that's that's something that is a learning process still so along those lines I kind of I just read something that you shouldn't read apparently it's, it's I bad. generally don't let it rots your brain <laughs> don't encourage it so when you're listening to someone tell you a story Thinking about something, what they're saying, something that's happened to you that's similar, yeah. and then telling them about that. Like the thing I was just reading is making that sound like that's bad. Like you right. shouldn't do I've that. I've heard this too, and no, you're making it about you. Yeah. Not like, just that, or your or your story topping. Yeah. Yeah. Up, but yeah. really, you're just like trying to emphasize. You're trying to like, emphasize. No, I do that. It's, really it's really a connection. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's such same thing a where fine it's, line. Like is yeah. that bad? It or is. That good? Like I would. I think it's a fine line. Yeah. And I've learned to appreciate, like. We used to always accuse, used to, as in like, we still accuse my mom of story topping because it's her personality to empathize, see the same side, and, and relate it to something in her life. And it it's something that she has the best of intentions about, like all of us do, I think, but it can be poorly uh, executed. executed. So... And sometimes she's, and, and I don't think she's necessarily that bad at executing it, any worse than the average person. But I, it's something I've tried to do a better job on, and I've caught myself quite a few times. Like, I, I'd say recently, but it's been over years now, and like on a repeated basis, that I'm, I've actually think I've gotten pretty good about not story topping someone mm -hmm. and trying to interject. I, just the other day, this happened, and I really had a great one. And I could have done it, and I thought, you know what, you know, there's no point in it. You're going to diminish them, let them have that. Yeah, exactly. It isn't going to add. It's actually going to detract from the conversation to, to do this. And then sometimes it's also, and do you really want this conversation to be going on any longer than it is? It's as boring as can be, just because you have an anecdote. Um, so I think it's a fine line. We probably, as in general, with the best of intentions, the closer we are to people, the more we story top and the more we interject and empathize and share mm -hmm. something that is, oh, I have the same version of that and this is my version. I think the best execution is when you can figure out when you want to do that and have it be somewhat commensurate, not over the top of the other person. Like empathetic and... Yeah. Like, I, saw, I, you know, I saw a mm -hmm. level 
two celebrity. I met a level one celebrity in a very similar. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, and, and just make sure you don't diminish what they were trying to share. But that's, I think, that's really delicate and difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an art to it for sure. Um, yeah, I, it, it, and it, it's also the same thing in tragedies, and that's something I've learned earlier on. When it comes to bad things, I, are we all good? Sarah yeah. wants to know. Okay. There's that question again. Do you want another drink? <laughs> when it comes to bad things, that's when it's even more important. And so when something bad's happened, like um, I lost my cat. Why well, I lost exactly. my cat? Exactly. Like, and 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 okay? it's almost <laughs> one of the things we like to do to empathize is to make it like as bad as your situation is. Here's a worse one, so you should you should not yeah. feel as bad. Which just doesn't work. It just like it's it's bad on two levels. And I learned that actually with Brian and when he died and his cancer and other people. And I've tried to be careful with sharing that cancer story with other people's cancer stories or other tragedies. Uh, we had a sad thing. A couple sad things happened to different clients at work. These young kids and thinking about interacting with their families and stuff you got to be careful what you say you just want to empathize and let them have their grief and it's their grief and and they actually need that spotlight of grief you don't need to overshadow it with something else it's not comforting to hear something else and it's really not good and this is something that's like a great lesson that i wasn't too tough for me to pick up on but other people needed to learn it and i relearned it or, or empathize emphasized it you don't need to help someone's cancer scare or whatever scary thing going on with something scarier that happened. It doesn't help. No. It's like, you know, ah, oh, my mom's got this spot that they're checking out. Oh, well, yeah, my, my dad had a spot yeah. and it was awful and it was like he was going to die or he did die. It's like, that didn't help, you know? <laughs> now I'm even more scared. So, yeah, it's delicate. There's an art to it for sure. Like a couple of quick, almost lightning round questions. All right, let's lightning um, round and maybe that would be it. Yeah. Yeah, I got one more. One more. I don't want to get you after this. But, uh, all right. It, I'm not cutting you off. Weed strains. You talk about me all day. Weed strains, name-wise, are all over the place. Right. If you had your own weed strain, Ooh. what would you name That's it? great question. Ooh. Gosh. There's a, there's a... You know, a tendency to go over the top with the kind of thing like that, and then you want to be subtle, but you're you're so subtle that no one gets it. Uh, I think your magnitude matters. You're on is both of them. Ooh, magnitude yeah, matters. Ooh. I, I love it. Let's I go with that. that. Magnitude go. matters. I smoked that. Yeah. That's a great. Thank you. you oh, made it. Yours. I am. Wow. Let's do this. Yes. Man. I'll get to growing. It almost doesn't matter how good it is. No. Yeah. Because so like matters. you know, oh, your just, magnitude was off. Yeah. You're, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Just Whatever magnitude. <laughs> yeah. Dial it in, baby. You get it. Uh, <laughs> similar because I, I guess it was on name kick. Uh, if you had a racehorse, what would you name a racehorse? Oh, I think Magnitude Matters right. again would be a very good one. Other than that, um, wow. Um, it's hard not to go like innuendo sexual or, you know, or puns or something, which I say that like if I had, if I'm out in Kentucky and I've got just a stable full of racehorses, you're going to get a lot of innuendo puns <laughs> and a lot of sexual, like, wow. And a lot of them, like, that's really on the nose. Like, yeah. my three-year-old knows what the hell you're talking about. But and it's his, gross. His last three horses were yeah. 69 420, yeah. 69 422, and 69 423. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, I would tend to go that route to be humorous with it. But um, it'd also be funny... To me, it'd be interesting to like have a um, things that I'm interested in, and like 
I could name them a series, like I'm again thinking about a series of racehorses. You said one, and I'm going to make it a bunch. Um, they have a bunch of famous OU football players and name them after Ooh. those guys. And that, that, you know, only a serious football fan would know who you're talking about yeah. in some cases, um, especially when you go back to how far back I might go with some of these guys. Um, then also, like, famous authors from economics, especially, would be pretty interesting, you know. F.A. Hayek, he, he overtakes Milton Friedman, you know, for the lead. That would be, that would be uh, a fun thing. Or the titles of their books. That would be good. That would be pretty good. All right. Uh, may I wash you? You can, but only if you cleanse my soul. Ooh. There are no losers in this game. <laughs> I meant to preface that with there's a game we can play, but yeah, right. Damn it. Um, we'll okay. fix that in post. Yeah, we'll fix that in post. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, would you run for office? Mm, I've thought about that. Um, you know, I think politicians are dirty, dirty, dirty creatures, but I do know some that have, some people that have run for office that I don't think of that way. Uh, you know, if if nominated, I won't accept. If, if I win, I won't, you know, run. No, I think that I... I might, conceivably, I could see myself doing that someday, but it would have to take a lot of support and people wanting me to do it. Um, it would depend on what I was, I, I'd want to feel like I was making a difference one way or the other. Like, I'm not going to run for dog catcher just to do it. Like, that'd be, even but if... they're adorable. It would be great. I catch those fail. dogs and just, the little fluffy ones. I got a video I'll show you later. It's so cute, this little dog. He's eating off a fork. Um, but... I wouldn't, um, I'd want to make a difference even if I lose. Like, I'd want to steer the election and feel like I'm moving and gravitating the, the debate in a certain way. Um, so, and I wouldn't, I guess I would actually fear most winning and having to compromise in ways that would be very, very difficult, that I wouldn't want to compromise. So that'd be tough. I think I could pull that off. I think it's possible, but where you are today with politics and government it's more difficult than it would be in an I like iterations later not necessarily an ideal world but if you get success upon success what I would define success upon success we get to a world where the compromises are smaller and they're not as, as impactful I would fear running now you'd get elected to an office and that you just like there's no winning like yeah. the, the only way to get things done would be like back to the ends and the means It'd be, it's all bad means. Any way you look at it, it's bad means. And that would be scary to me. And like, I could see running for office, winning, and having to resign for ethical reasons publicly later, you know, a month in. And to say, you know, I'm not gonna be a part of this. And here's the problem. Hopefully I'm shining a light on this and it changes, but unfortunately probably nothing will change. So, I don't know. I think I, think I might run for office. Um, it would just depend. It would need to be something that, that um, I have to be doing it for the right reasons. I think I would be, and part of those right reasons would be to make the right kind of difference that I'd want to make, and it would be they have to be the right kind of office. Um, obviously, I'm probably not going to be a big name for president anytime soon, so it'd be something short of president, greater than dog catcher. So you somewhere, pick a position in, in between. That's right. sweet right. spot. You're right. not right. sweet spot. You're yeah. not old enough. That's true. I'm only in my extremely late yeah. 20s, and I've got you know 15 years or so to go. Uh, anybody else? Any other questions? Steve? Those were that was a good interrogation. I appreciate that. That was really good. I guess let's let's close it off with. Do you have any have any professional advice to give on the way out? 
For anyone in general? Anyone in general. Any profession in general. Professionals. Honestly. Any profession. Yeah, pick a profession. Give some Not advice. amateurs. Let's though. start with the oldest professions and work our <laughs> way down. Um, so I would say um, hmm, professional advice. Do what's right. Don't compromise on your ethics. That is easy to do in the in small increments that are that are equally or add up to something really bad. Um, especially when you're young and you're starting out, you can easily justify things that you shouldn't do. Um, one of the things that's kind of unfortunate but it's true is you've got to look after your own self-interest. You've got to be your own advocate. No one's going to do that for you. And you've, you've got to be a little bit, I don't know if cutthroat's the right word, but you've got to be fairly um, self-focused on doing what is in your long-term be best interest because no, a little selfish in the Ayn Rand sense, like in a good sense of selfish, like you've got to do what is in your best interest because no one else is looking out for that. It's an adversarial relationship naturally, in, unintentionally in many cases, but it just ends up being that way. So you've got to look out for your own self-interest. At the same time, there's an ethical way to do it, there's a right way to do that, and you've got to play the long game. Always think about the long game. Think about the fact it's always a small world. It's always a small community. It will come back to haunt you if you do something a shortcut or a wrong way. Um, so, so try to do it as good as you can do it on the up and up and take your best shot. And then, I guess last piece would be try. Try stuff. Do it. Try it. This, especially where we live, it's a world filled with the opportunities to make mistakes and do it again. So don't, don't let the fear of making mistakes hold you back. I like it. All right. Very nice. good. Right, yeah. We'll fix it up in post. A lot of questions, a lot of good answers. Yeah. The bad ones, yeah, the bad ones will fix in post. Yeah, let's fix it. <laughs> or we'll eliminate all those bad ones. We'll be left with that. All right. Bye. I love you. <laughs>